Morning, Steve. <laughs> Good morning. Oh, and incidentally, before we go anywhere else, yeah. at the top of the programme, yeah. in which I believe is called the trailer, I was referred to, and my lawyers are already working on this, as the bore on the bus. You read it. Now, What's going now, on? the fact of the matter I'm is, thing, so. I'm the bore in the chauffeur-driven limo, and I've, I will not have these suggestions that I've been on a bus. They just, are the worst kind. They are. they are. I was just having a chat with a friend of mine, he goes, oh, my car's broken, had to take my kids to school on the bus. I'm like, you poor love. Yeah, I know. Can you see my heart bleeding? Well, yes, but I'm still suing. <laughs> You're not wriggling out of this one. I thought I'd give you some theme music to oh, right. Yes, yeah, so that was very nice. Something tanky, engine Thomas the tanking engine. <laughs> well, we're back on the railways. Funny enough. Funnily enough. My goodness me. So apparently, according to sources, um, this, this Express Rail um, Fandango is going to start on the 23rd of September. Now, um, it's a great surprise that it's going to start at all. Well apparently to the Hong Kong government and the transport department, because everybody else seems to know about it. So they've suddenly discovered that in... Are we at 2018? I think we are. That um, they hadn't made any plan whatsoever for people to be able to buy online tickets. Apparently, if you want to use the express rail in the mainland, that's all sorted. If you want to use it here... But it's all right. There's a, there's a, there's a study going on. It will take about six months. But... 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 but, but. <laughs> I mean, could you believe it? It's not as though this thing hasn't been delayed. It's not as though the concept of online tickets... I mean, if even I understand online tickets, let me tell you, it must be well established in the in, in the public mind. So what do Hong Kong people have to do? Is it like so, the old days when they bowl up and get a ticket? Yes, they can do that. And, and, of course, they can... Hong Kong people are very, very privileged. They can go and get a ticket... Oh, actually, they can only get a ticket from China Travel Service. And China Travel Aha. Service... Being the only purveyor of these tickets, says, well, I'll tell you what, we'll put a surcharge on for Hong Kong people, not mainland people. So there was a $30 surcharge Yarr. put on the tickets um, on the very noble grounds, because we can, why shouldn't we? All right. And Carrie Lam, because she's a brave, fearless fighter for Hong Kong, said she'd go up to Beijing and she'd sort that one out. She won't be going on the train then. <laughs> she won't be going on the train. Well, then there's a trouble of whether she'd fall off the platform that's sort of a bit wonky but we'll, we'll get into that maybe so she said i'll go up to beijing and i'm going to sort that out because that's really not right so she goes up to beijing and they go huh go away <laughs> and she went oh fine go away yes yes i'll go away as quickly as possible on the belton road um so where does that leave us uh it leaves us not being able to buy tickets online having to pay a surcharge for them oh and by the way in case anyone has yet failed to get the message it's an express service that will not deliver you to Guangzhou in this 40-odd minutes that they claim it will, because most of the trains that are leaving that station stop. Right. And so it takes a lot longer than 40 minutes. So, let's, so that's hmm. a lie. I'm sorry, it's a porky pie. It's in your face. It ain't true. So are we meant... Not we, I can't imagine ever going on. Let's be no, perfectly I can't, honest. Well, but are, are people meant to go on this <coughs> thing, or is it just a... Well, apparently, yes, they are. Show-off yes. show project. Well, I mean, the idea that it be commercially viable, I find very, very difficult to believe. But anyway, yes, I'm sure... And anyway, people always go on something which is new. So I'm sure there'll be pretty heavy usage initially. But when people discover that when they get to Guangzhou, they're in the Guangzhou North Station, which is miles away from anywhere... That's true, right? Yes. That's not a porcupine. That, no, that's true. Okay. 
I said it. Excuse me. Excuse me. Um, No, they go to the Guangzhou North Station, which is miles away from anywhere. So most people don't want to go. When they want to go to Guangzhou, they want to go to Guangzhou City. God knows why, but they do. So then they have to somehow get from the Guangzhou North Station into the city, probably a half an hour journey. So, I mean, the average person is pretty stupid. They don't think in terms of the headline propaganda figure. They say, how long does it take me to get from A to B? Yeah. Now, for me, living in the Northeast New Territories, I will still go up to Lo Wu. I will cross the border, get the train from Shenzhen to Lo I wouldn't Lo be Wu. crossing the border too often if I were you, Steve. <laughs> we're talking one-way ticket here, you know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm clean. <laughs> I, I, I've never met, never known, no. and would not recognise Andy Chan if he bumped me in the face. I'm just <laughs> saying that, for the record. So, um, so you go to that, um, you pay, I think my total bill for that would be a third of the price of the express train service to note to uh, Guangzhou North. North Guangzhou. Um, I'd get out at the East Station, which is really convenient. There's a metro system there. Bob's your uncle. So let's go back to the ticket office at this end, or not. So you said China Travel Service, so I, I'm assuming they'll have a premises there. They will have the only premises so selling you go tickets. So you go into a business... Well, they will be the, they will be the ticket seller, yes. You go into a travel agent. Yeah, on, on I mean, the, they'll, they'll probably it will probably look like a, your regular, you know, ticket station. It just happens to be operated by them. Right. And why not? Because it is the world's best travel service. I mean, you know, if you had a choice, wouldn't you go to China Travel Service for everything? You know, your next trip to Guatemala, you'd say, China Travel Service. So, I mean, just stop being facetious for a second. <laughs> what you're saying what you're saying is, yes. it's supposed to open, yes, but we can't buy a ticket online. No. And we won't be able to do until a study or whatever. Six months, apparently. That, that's, that's how... So, it, what the heck? So, so basically, um, I think what you can do... I, now I'm just guessing. You can probably go into... I want to go on a blinking Into train. another China Travel Service office, maybe, you know, because there's more than one, yeah. and buy a ticket from there. I think that's probably going to happen. But that's not that convenient. If you've ever been into one of those offices, you know it's queuing is us. Yeah. You know, oh, you, my goodness when, me, when you, yes. when you go in, you see this sea of... Um, People and you think, oh, I wonder, I wonder where the counter is. Oh, yes, it's somewhere at the end there. So, um, inconvenience is thoroughly built into the system. I mean, that uh, then we're not even talking about the politics of this. You know, the fact that um, <coughs> China will, um, the or mainland, I should say, will assume sovereignty over over the station in in, in Kowloon. I mean, you know, these are these are apparently little things, according to Carrie Lam, that nobody should be worrying about. I'd be worried. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it will be under it will be under mainland law. So all the way. I mean, we've been. This has been. In yeah, the news this has been before, very much in the news. I'm just saying this is, if you like, latest developments on the. Um, uh, for those of us who are very interested in the Greater Bay Area, which of course you and I are. So when's D and a half day? D and a half apparently twenty third of next month. Blimey. So it's it is imminent, um, um, but that that assumes all the usual assumptions. I think this one they're going to go hell for leather. And make sure it opens because it's oh yeah, kind that of, isn't the issue. It's kind of too embarrassing <laughs> to to have another delay. That really isn't. the I issue. I suppose once they've actually issued a date, they would have to do it. So when we go to the station that takes us to the city, mm. you said a metro station. I guess there are taxis and stuff. Is is all okay? Is it? I don't know. Um, I just know it's very far away. Right. No, well, I mean, I, I'm the sure north, be, oh, the, north, north, I, I don't know. I've never been there. Okay. I don't know. Because <laughs> you can't buy a ticket. <laughs> well, there's no reason to go. I know. There's no reason to go. Why would you go there? 
It's it's the bit of the city you don't really want to go to. I mean, I understand why they bought. Sorry, they built a great big station there because there's lots of space up there, which there isn't. Yeah, but stations are meant to get you from A to B, yes, aren't they? If you're a commuter. Do you remember that old thing where they used to put stations in the city centres? for something called convenience. I don't know what happened to that. Yeah, and you were going to go on to something else. I'm sure it's about things falling off. Well, there's... Well, there's the, yeah, I mean, they still... You know, they've, they've got all these leaks, apparently. Uh, there, there's all these photographs of leaks, and the MTR Corporation, which is a byword for, for quality assurance... Well, as, it used as, to... It was. Let's be very honest about well, that. We, we, I remember hearing Frederick Marr, the chairman of the MTR Corporation, say, if I say it is so, it is so. But the, they... Among the myriad of dodgy doo-doo that's going on there, there's now these pictures have emerged of all this leaking in station, and they're going, well, uh, we'll, we'll we'll, we'll certainly have to investigate that. I'm thinking, don't you have people who are kind of looking at it anyway? I mean, I don't know. It's kind of somewhere beyond farce. I I assume that the... um, MTRC will go from weakness to weakness. I mean, because it's on that. It, you know what happens with these big companies when they get on that slide? It just seems to keep going. Things keep in coming one out, direction. Don't they? Yeah. So what? What's what's the big deal? I mean, I know what I read on social media. <coughs> people saying, uh, you know, contracting these companies with mainland parent companies and blah blah blah. Now it's easy to say that. However. Is there any guts well, to it? Well, I don't know. I mean, honestly, I don't know. I think the real problem at the MTRC is that it's run by a government trustee in Frederick Maher, who, who's been proved when he was a government minister to be, oh, that's right, no use whatsoever, and had to resign. But he's a trustee. His nose has been in the right places to, to, to ensure advancement. He's... he's he The corporation is supervised by one of the least effective ministers in the Carrie Lamb administration. I tell you, when you're the least effective minister in the Carrie Lamb administration, you're really somewhere uh-huh. at the bottom of the pool. That's he, Frank Chen. He's there so to keep it down to standard. He, so, you know, who, who, is, who is... The buck stops nowhere, something goes wrong, and they all go... Frank Chen goes, well, you know, it's a busy day, I've got a lot of things to do, it's raining. Um, you know, I mean, so... If you have this vacuum of leadership, if you have, in an otherwise, a corporation that actually runs a pretty good railway system... Yes. ...ought to be said... And has done but, for many and years. And has done That's for many years. That's the crazy thing about and this. If you, if you, but, but nowadays, all appointments are um, pivoted on political reliability. So instead of just getting people who are really good at running railways doing mm. all this stuff, you have to have that... This is this big thing that's coming in not just in the railways but throughout the system you know is that person politically sound will that person give us problems you know on the political <laughs> front and there there is a price to be paid for this it's actually quite a high price mm. that's the problem wondering if stuff like this has been going on of course as it would do in, in buildings all over the world yeah. it's just that now we know about it you know every major project on on the planet has delays has problems the, the the issue is how you deal with them Hmm. You know, I mean, you look at how they deal... I mean, it's the same bunch of morons. You look at the, the how they're dealing with the bridge to nowhere, the Juhai, blah, 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 Macau Bridge. Same thing, except worse, because all these people, unfortunately, have died on it, and it's it's, it's really not happy situation. But, you know, if you've got an open and transparent system, you have open monitoring, and people understand, you know, for example, bad weather conditions... 
people understand that causes sure. delays. Sure. There are very real problems that cause delays, but if you have a political incentive, a political imperative, I should say, to complete these projects at a certain time, mm. and instead of coping with the problems, you cover them up, which is what the allegation is, because of the pressure to 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 um, to limit the delays, then you have a you have a fundamental problem, well, and it's and it it, it ain't going to be solved because all the people who caused the problem are still in place. Weren't we hearing stuff like this in 1996 and seven? Yes, with the yes. airport. Well, the airport, if you remember, I mean, the airport had a lot of teething problems, mm. but it also had a lot of political problems because one of the things which we, we've now seen, the papers have now been published. You know, the Hong Kong, the, sorry, the British government has a policy of releasing. Um, files on on a thirty year basis. One of the things which is clear is that that the um, PRC side of the negotiations, sign of British negotiations for the handover of Hong Kong, made it very clear that the Hong Kong new airport couldn't open until the handover had taken place. Right. So actually, in construction terms, it could have opened earlier, but that was a political thing. And they said mm. our price for agreeing to this project is we open it, not you. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah, I always remember. I was just, I used to love it, making fun of Clinton Leakes. <laughs> the, 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 the PR man's PR man. Blah, 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 it's rubbish, it's falling down. What are you going to do about Clinton? Mm, fair question. Yes. Fair question. Yes. That's what he's saying. We, we should remind the listener he was the bloke in charge. Of, he was the bloke he, where the buck kind he, of he, stopped. He was the Mr Goebbels for the airport authority. Fair question. <laughs> Every news clip. All right, Steve, we've got five minutes before the news. Well, I think, like we, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm loath to have started not mentioning the Belt and Road. Go on, then. Well, so we understand from Mr Wang Yi that the Belt and Road Initiative is in accordance with historical trends, is full of vitality and energy, and as a result... My cat's full has... of vitality and energy. <laughs> What's that got to do with it? It's not as much as the Belt and Road. <laughs> and as a result, has quickly gained support worldwide. Uh, that was a front-page story in an English-language newspaper whose name we don't need to get into here. Okay. I mean... Oh, oh, that, oh, gosh, isn't that in the week where where Prime Minister Mahathir Mohamed, you know, the new old Prime Minister, um, said, oh, you know all those Belt and Road projects were cancelling then? i my hair that day. Yeah. <laughs> that, was the, that was in the week when um, there's a big coalition in various African countries talking about neo-Chinese colonialism. Mm-hmm. And there's a big kickback going on in places like Senegal, for example, also on the Belt and Road. I mean, it's a very big belt. Um, who are who are getting increasingly worried about what all this means, you know, for them as sovereign nations. So I'm I'm very pleased that Mr. Wang Yi, who I ought to mention, is the foreign minister. You know, he's the bloke who always looks as though he's just eaten something very very sour and just can't get it off. Crow, I believe. I don't know what it is. He's He's got most amazingly unpleasant-looking countenance. I'm sure I saw something, and I'm sure it was a London newspaper that might have been The Independent. Maybe wrong. And it was saying something like, enough with all your bluster and bravado about this thing. The world isn't that interested. That's essentially what this article is. Well, I mean, you know, we are, of course, here. We're gripped by it. Well, not as gripped as we are by the Greater Bay. Greater Can Bay. I just say that? Greater Bay area. Because if we don't say Greater Bay, the whole programme is going to be shut down. Serious thing I'm remembering. I mean, it's all coming back to me now. The bottom line <coughs> is people, um, this article was saying that it's all engineered, of course, for China's benefit, and we don't get an awful lot out of it, but it's all 
that's, that was one-sided. Well, I mean, the, 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 this African coalition that seems to be growing up, basically what they're saying is don't forget that this isn't just an infrastructure thing. It's going to, to put various Afri- African countries with a very, very heavy debt burden mm. to the Chinese. And you know what? You know how it works, don't you? The person who holds your debt has quite a lot of influence over what you do. They do and indeed. that's what they're thinking about now. And if you know So, that. you know, I mean, it is quite true that it does bring um, infrastructure improvements, but, you know, big price tag. For something, still in with Steve Vines. I'll, I'll think I'll sit down for something. Sit down if you for don't everything. Mind. Yes. <laughs> well, talking of sitting down, um, there's this this um, business been going on with the law faculty at the Peking University, which incidentally is still called the Peking University. Yeah, yeah. Interestingly, um, which used to run uh, until last week uh, a common law course. Oh yeah, with the assistance of the bar association here with quite distinguished members of the bar going up to Peking on a voluntary basis, it should be added, um, to give law students in the university the benefit of their wisdom on the common law system. I don't care about them going there. Do they come back? <laughs> well, they, well, certainly some of them come back because they're not allowed to go in, if you yeah, see what I, I mean. Know, I know. Um, so um, what, what's happened there is Beijing, yet again puts politics... I mean, in in case anybody has a scintilla of doubt what's going on here, Beijing always puts politics before purpose. So they don't like the new head of the Bar Council, Philip Dykes, because he's perceived as being a Democrat. He's quite a a strong advocate of rule of law, so that... Elephant in room, Steve. You're doing well. Yeah, that marks him down as a a bit of a dodgy character. But, you know... He was supposed to go up there, was told he wasn't going up there. They then didn't like two of the lecture, etc., etc. So the Bar Council, in my view, quite underbounds. He said, look, we can't do this. Either we do it. I mean, you know, we're doing it on a voluntary basis. Do try and remember that. Mm-hmm. Or we don't. And um, there's all this sort of weaselly talk about, well, you know, it's mm, a lot of misunderstanding. Actually, there's no misunderstanding whatsoever. It's politics. They think that if they can undermine the the head of the Bar Council, Philip Dykes, somehow the lawyers in Hong Kong will get the message and will, you know, put in his place some some line-tower and brown-noser who will be reliable and there'll be happy relations with the Peking Firm, University. steady pair of hands. A steady pair of hands. Competent. A, a somebody with a bit more appreciation of the current situation. Know what I mean, yeah, Gov. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So all of that. So um, I wouldn't have thought that this is going to work for one moment. Frankly, the Bar Association doesn't live or die by whether or not uh, people take their take their own time to go up to Peking to um, give students this apparently quite popular course. Because remember, of course, common law doesn't exist on the mainland. So this, this is this is a course of academic interest right. rather than of practical relevance. But nonetheless useful and important as many things are well bearing in mind all the stuff you just said why would they want somebody anyway talking about common law because that's an idea that we don't want sewing well it's that that is an interesting point which i should perhaps thought about yes i i wonder why because i mean it sows the seeds of thinking Uh, maybe that is part of the problem it sows the seeds of thinking about how you have a judicial system (coughs) which 
is governed as it is in 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 Hong Kong, derived from the British system, derived from precedent and, and evolution, mm. rather than dictates from the ruling political party. So yes, I can see why they might not like that. But you know, if I, it's not the main part of any course. It's it's an add-on. It broadens the. I mean, you know. In academic intent, it seems actually rather rather good. It broadens the uh, experience and and uh, learning of these law students. Are the students there showing too much interest in it? Well, that may be another. I, I must say, I don't know any of that. It's that just, may you be know, another. That may be another like possibility. Course. We like this course. We're hearing about how laws are made in places where rule of law exists rather than rule by law. How long that will be in Hong Kong, we're not quite sure. But anyway, yeah. um, you know, yes, I can see how that may be considered subversive and undermining. Hmm. And um, apparently one of the problems with the course given by these people is they don't even mention the Greater Bay Area. Apparently not. I think that's that's as damning as it gets. So what happens now? They just stop going? <laughs> well, um, the latest that I read... and. Um, Literally, I've only read about this. I have no no intimate knowledge of it. The latest I've read is somebody from Peking University said, "Oh well, yes." I'm, 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 I'm. That's that. So that's um, that's where we are. Um, I, I assume that's the end of that, unless they do get their wish and, and the bar bar council elects somebody who's to their liking, and you know they they will be rewarded by being told they're free to give up their own time to go up to Beijing and do their worst or do their best. I mean, it's not it's not very edifying. This it really isn't. Mm. But anyway, it sends a signal <coughs> to Hong Kong lawyers to toe the line. But whether they will take the signal in the way that it's being delivered, I rather doubt. We shall see. I saw a cracking story. I can't find it now. Yesterday about some guys uh, who represent the property sector saying that we should have floating container houses. Yeah. Did you see bless that? Them. I, did you, did you I, like, I don't really? remember it. I bless them. I mean, I. Because they're I, relatively safe, apparently. Yeah, can, can I just say that the Property Developers Association of Hong Kong is the most charitable, open minded body that we have. They represent some of the finest people in Hong Kong who are devoted not only to the Greater Bay Area, but also to the Belt and Road. Um, <laughs> it's just Horlicks, isn't it? This was putting a load of containers <coughs> on barges. Um, I don't really understand that because they're already talking about putting containers for temporary housing on land. That's that, that's a well. There's interesting tons of them on every brownfield site so you go to anyway. Yeah, so that's true. They're, 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 and a bunch of no, no. But the housing association is seriously planning to bring in container housing as temporary housing for people who are on public housing waiting lists. Actually, I don't think that's a terrible idea. But uh, I don't know what this new one is. I mean, me. Talk about let them eat. Let noodles. Them eat, let them eat noodles, yes. Anyway. Yes. Well, but I was just going to go back to another aspect of the rule of law. So, while all this is going on, you have Chan Yuk Singh, who, if, if anybody's forgotten, used to be the president of LegCo, and he's got a new think tank. They all have think tanks nowadays. More think tanks than you and I have had cups of tea. So his think tank, very interestingly, has proposed an amendment to the basic law yeah. to provide within the basic law... A, a, a statutory, um, how can I put it? A statutory outline of the duties of the liaison office. The interesting thing is, the basic law actually does do that. In the joint declaration, does that. Now, there's two things here. First of all, <coughs> we are told every time somebody says, "Well, you know, surely an amendment to the basic law is is, is required." Oh, no, you can't touch the basic law. 
unless it undermines Hong Kong's autonomy, then it can be amended. Mm. So Chan Yuk Singh is now trying to put into the basic law something that gives the liaison office powers and responsibilities that um, I think it obviously has because it exercises them. I mean, it, it tells the pro-government camp who's allowed to run for election, coordinates their election campaigns, summons in government ministers for, for talking. So there's no doubt that it is a powerful body. But he's saying, well, you know, let, let's actually make this make this formal, make this legal. But it is formal. Well, it's not, it, but it's not in, in it's not encapsulated in the basic law. Yeah. So, <coughs> excuse me. So we'll see how that goes. I mean, what what's very interesting is why. Why now? Why is he proposing this? I, I, I honestly don't know. There must be a reason. See you, Steve. Same time, same place.